Gold Coast Titans taking on the <laughs> Dolphins. Oh my god. Oh my god, what a stupid thing. What is it? It looks like an idiot like this. It looks like an idiot. Welcome back to the Gold Coast Frontline Podcast. This podcast is everything Gold Coast Titans. With myself, BKR Sport, and Clarkie's Rugby League Connor, we go through everything that is the Gold Coast Titans, the community, the uh, Rugby League itself, but also we get to into the feeder clubs. We get into absolutely everything that's going on around our community. And obviously, you know, we did have a tough result on the weekend. We'll be really delving into that one today. But as I said, I am here alongside my co-host in Clarkie's Rugby League Connor. How you doing, man? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Obviously, would have loved to win against the Dolphins, given they did get one up on us earlier this year. But it was uh, there's still some positives from that game. Um, and as you said, just happy to be here for the hour to talk absolutely everything Titans because, you know, that that's what we're all about. We're about building a community that on the Gold Coast we can all be proud of. Um, and we hope that, you know, Blaze and I, every single Tuesday, look forward to recording for this hour. And we certainly hope if you're a returning listener, you're excited as this podcast kicks off. So, why don't we dive straight into the Titans news segment? Just before Let's we get into that, I'll just, I'll just quickly yeah. say something. I think that it is also really good to have... It's a little bit therapeutic in a way, doing this podcast, man, because, you know, obviously we are emotionally, financially, physically, and mentally invested in this game and invested in this team. And I think that by having this podcast every single week, it does provide a little bit of therapy in a way for us to, to go over it and for obviously the listeners to, to have other viewpoints heard and, and discussions around it and then they can agree or disagree but that's the beauty of the game so I think that yeah this podcast that I haven't really seen a great deal of Titans podcast before and I just think that for myself I find that really therapeutic do you see it the same way? I do mate and in recording it on the Wednesday oh, sorry releasing it on the Wednesday um, typically or some stage around the midweek is what makes it better as well because you kind of have that chance to really digest and sit on it and certainly after losses um, you do see on our social media sometimes I have a lot of uh, negativity from fans. And, oh boy. you know, just taking that step back, <laughs> letting it sort of simmer and looking at it with a little bit more, less rage, I suppose, really helps us keep level-headed in our review of, of what went right or what went wrong, um, unfortunately, in the instance this week. But Titans news segment, this is a new one we added in last week. Everyone loved it. It is here to stay. Let's kick us off, Blaze. Georgia Hale is announced as our NRLW captain for 2023. I personally love the appointment, but your thoughts on this selection? Yeah, look, obviously the NRL uh, W, which is the women's game for everyone who doesn't or isn't aware, is coming up next week. Not this weekend, but next weekend. So we're going to be really delving and, and, and getting into a preview for the season. We have a really, really good women's team this year, and I'm really excited for it. There, there is the Roosters as well. We have a good team, and there's a couple here and there, but overall... We are actually one of the favourites to, to go on with it this year. So I'm really excited to get into this season. And as you just said, Georgia Hale names is our captain. Really excited. I just, I, I can't wait to, to really get into it and, and really, um, you know, really back in this women's team. Because although we do have the men's team and we do have, we, we, we do also have the netball team. We do also have the women's team and we do have our feeder clubs. And we've got to really support the community that we are trying to build here and Although there is a lot of criticism and negativity surrounding the women's game from, from people who aren't necessarily open-minded to the women's game, I think if you actually give it a watch and you actually do sit down and, and watch a game, you'll understand they do run hard at each other. You know, A lot of people bring up that 
the Origin game, in the, the first Origin game this season where there was a lot of errors, that was effectively the first game of the year. You know, that's like our first preseason game, effectively. So I'd prefer if that Women's Origin was a little bit later on so we can have them really full on and, and absolutely slapping it down throughout the season. But yeah, look, obviously, Georgia Hale, looking forward to it. I really enjoyed the women's game and I can't wait to talk about it next week. I think it's a fantastic appointment. From from memory, I believe the NRLW kicked off in 2018. So Georgia Hale is uh, literally a veteran of the women's game. She's been there for every season, starting at the Warriors and then coming across to us in the Titans in 2021. Um, I believe she was a halfback when she first started, now into the lock forward there where she averaged, I think it was around 160 metres in the World Cup for New Zealand. So very, very powerful ball runner, but also a great player. With that experience in the NRLW for so many years, personally, I love the appointment there. Um, and I believe a bit more of a Titans connection there. I believe she is dating Sam Lasone, our yeah, former Sam prop off the field. Yeah, so we really are becoming the family club, aren't we? We've got Tino and his wife, Dave and Shaylee, um, Sam and Georgia. We're, we're building uh, the nice well, little believe, Titans community there. Sam is Sam is in the UK, though, isn't he, at the Super League club? Yeah, with uh, Leeds Rhinos, who Georgia plays for in the Super League women's as well. So that's interesting as well. Uh, but yeah, congratulations, Georgia. We personally can't wait to watch you lead our women's side to hopefully a premiership this year. Hopefully the first of many. Okay. Next story we're going to talk about, I'm sure everyone's sick of it, but uh, we had <laughs> rumors earlier this week with the Bulldogs being interested in Tino. And the story went that the owner of the Bulldogs, or the major sponsor of the Bulldogs rather, Arthur Laundy, was going to offer him a personal stake in one of his hotels or his uh, his pubs, something of that description, which would guarantee Tino profit. Now, of course, we know NRL salary cap, official club sponsors cannot be third-party sponsors. It cannot be brokered by the club. It must be completely external of the club, and you can't guarantee profit. If so, you must include it in the salary cap. Now, Gus Gould came out last night on Channel 9 and said that People are trying to tear down the Bulldogs and it's all a big media scam. Everyone wants to see them fail and that there's no truth to that all and they've never spoken to Tino. So, I mean, what do you make of it, Blaze? There's reports saying this, there's reports saying that. I know what I make of it and that's that Tino's not leaving. But your thoughts, please. Yeah, if anyone has watched the video, like just to quickly clarify on that one, if anyone's watched the video of T Dave and Tino reacting to the Dolphins game on the weekend when mm. they're at Seabuster Stadium, you can clearly see how invested they are in this team. And as I've told you guys from my personal viewpoint, when I've had conversations with these guys that I have frequently with them, you know, they are very, very much involved with this Titans and don't want to leave. Like, I, there's just... I'd be so blindsided if these guys left. I literally have no worries realistically about it at all. And as we found out as well, they would have to exercise the options. We've also found out that Ricky's a little bit, a little bit the stickies we'll get into in a second there. But yeah, look, I think in regards to the Bulldogs, it's, it's interesting that Gus has come out and, and said that the, the media is trying to derail their season or uh, trying to come for them. It's like, your season's effectively done, Gus. Like, your season, you're down there in third last. Like, you, you beat a reserve grade Rabbitohs squad. Let's not go out here now and pretend like this team's just gone and beat an absolute world beater. Like, the Bulldogs are still building. They're, they're rebuilding. And, you know, they're throwing shots at Desi Hasler as well now. To It's not like Gus is uh, necessarily a, a massive fan of, of Des in the past. And, you know, I just, yeah, look, I think it's... I think it's surprising that he's kind of taken this standing point because I guarantee you that... Look, I'm not going to guarantee you, actually. I'm going to say, based off of my personal view and my opinion, is that I feel like he probably would have made this contact. I, I feel feel like that is just speculation, but I feel like he would have. But then now that we're re recognizing that the option hasn't been exercised in the contracts, that would mean that it is illegal to contact these guys. And by this coming out, it's like with Ricky, as we'll say in a second... 
Ricky, he came out and literally took back his statement. And yet a week beforehand had already said that he had contacted the manager. He said it, his words exactly. And then a week later says, oh, no, I can't because the option hasn't been exercised. Well, you've kind of just put yourself in an absolute massive mess there. So it is a really messy situation. I feel like for me, when the when Dave Fafida and Tino Fasul Malawi both confirm that they're still with the club and they confirm they're re-signing, if they have to re-sign, blah, 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 I feel like it's going to be an even more messy situation because we'll find out these guys have been contacting illegally. Yeah, for me, two things straight away. I go to Ben Hunt. We know he's not fully invested in the Dragons at the moment. Would you see him on the sideline of a Dragons game as passionately reacting as Tino and Dave were? I don't think you would. I think that's sold evidence there. And number two, I think Gus Gould's been in the media long enough now, 20 plus years, maybe 30. Sorry if I've got that wrong, but he's been in there long enough to know that off the back of a 66-0 loss, you need to create some distractions and some separate headlines. And he did just that with this story with Tino. I don't think it will go anywhere. The one I'm more worried in is the storm. Now, we don't have any sold reports here, only a News Corp article saying that the Melbourne Storm have expressed strong desire to Tino's manager. And I I do think out of those two clubs. Uh, News Corp chairman Matt Tripp is is another major head in News Corp. Yes, that's correct. Uh, that, That does worry me more, if I'm honest, because he does have that previous connection with Craig Bellamy has won a premiership at the club. But again, let me be clear with my words. It worries me more. It doesn't worry me to a point where I feel like we'd lose Tino. I think you've made your statement pretty clear. Um, Next one, Ricky Stewart withdraws his statement. Now, we came on here last week and we read out the quote of Ricky Stewart saying that Dave is a free agent and that he's offered him a contract. It then came out he's not actually a free agent. And all of a sudden in the Raiders post-game press conference last round, Ricky Stewart said he's a great player, but we haven't offered him a contract as he's not available. So... Which one is it, Ricky? You're backtracking pretty hard there. Um, and ultimately, a lot of needless headlines plays. Last week, off oh, Raiders, a massive deal for Fida. He's leaving to find out there's not even a contract being offered there. Um, yeah, my look, question to you is, though, should Ricky Stewart face any punishment for what he's done here? Absolutely, but he's not going to. And Like I said, I think that this will kick up a little bit more of a storm once we've seen that the contracts have been finalised with the Titans and that everything is all sweet and we are moving forward with it. I think that's when we'll really push down hard on those who have tried to contact. But with that being said, Ricky does have a lot of mates in the media. It's no, it's no surprises. We're not shocking anyone by myself saying that. We all know that the media loves a bit of Ricky Stewart. And I really, there's a reason why it's not being covered right now. I've obviously come out and, and clearly seen that this is, you know, breaking the contract code. Like, it is illegal to be doing what as Ricky has said. And he caught himself out in a literal lie. Like, he literally said the first thing, and he literally said the second thing. So that means that he's caught himself out in a lie. But yet, the media won't cover it. They're not covering it at all. So, look, I think that it's something that obviously Steve Mitchell and Dennis Watt are going to have to look at there in regards to, you know, going towards another club's organisation to uh, really make sure this doesn't happen in the future. Because, yeah, we got, you know, everyone was slamming us and the Broncos for our apparent discussions with Ben Hunt. No confirmations there whatsoever. However, Ricky, on the other hand, there is confirmation through his own words. So that's my thoughts. And for what it's worth, with Ricky Stewart having friends in the media, uh, his results since he joined the Raiders, 15th, 10th, 2nd, 10th, 10th, 4th, 5th, 10th, 8th. We don't know how he finished this year, but we do know absolutely that if that was any other coach, that's getting spoken about in the newspapers big time. He's missed the finals more than he's made it. Um, uh, you know, he's been there since 
when would it, when did he get there? 2014. So almost a decade now. But as I always say, his assistant coach is the CEO of Fox Sports. Who uh, CEO the CEO of Fox Sports? Sorry, his brother. Let me restart that. The CEO of Fox Sports. His brother is Ricky Stewart's assistant coach. I got there in the end. I'm really sorry, guys. Um, and so th- there's that conflict of interest there where it doesn't get spoken about. Um, and when it does get spoken about on a podcast, the person bumbles their way through and mumbles a hundred times in me. Uh, but there you go. Final piece of news. I want to read you a quote, Blaze. I don't want to say anything else. I want to get your immediate reaction. This is from Apisai Cottesau from the West Tigers. I shouldn't have tackled him with my face. That tackle was my fault. I got off the line a bit hard. I didn't get square. And he, being Tino Fa'asumala Aoi, caught me off guard when he came off his right foot. There are no hard feelings there. It's footy. I can only control what I can control. Everyone has their bumpers up. I missed a few weeks, but I put that on me. Your reaction, please. <laughs> well, my reaction is, told you so. You know, I hate, I hate the words <laughs> told you so, but it's like, it is what it is. Like, we said this, and anyone with an idea said this as well. Like I know that there would have been Tigers fans out there and there were Bulldogs fans out there and there are New South Wales fans out there. We even had what, uh, was it Joey Johns and, and Fittler and that coming out and saying that he should be suspended and the, the hammer should be thrown in. Well, you've just had the player who was in contact with Tino come out and say, well, no, you're wrong. And, uh, pre- and just confirm for everybody else that, we were right. Like, the Titans fans were right. So, yeah, look, I'm not expecting an apology from anybody out there to say that this that he shouldn't have been suspended, blah, blah, blah. I don't care what those people say because ultimately I only care about what Titans fans think. But it's just funny to see that, yeah, we were right. Cotterosau is... You know what? I really appreciate he's done this too. You know, he's been a man about it. He's come out and said, look, it was my fault. I did tackle him incorrectly. And unfortunately, due to that, I've become injured. I'm really, really... You know, I've got a lot more respect as well now for Apisai Godoisau. I had a lot of respect from anyway due to his Fiji performances and whatnot. I love my Fiji because of my daughter. But yeah, look, obviously he's come out, he's admitted it, and I think we move from there. It's just great to see that we've had someone back in our club from another club. Certainly agree. And I'll just read out for anyone that's still on the fence about this. Tino has been cleared of any wrongdoing and has avoided a charge with the judiciary. <laughs> and of course, the player himself is now saying it's his fault. So... I uh, don't expect anyone will apologise, but certainly the way fans were carrying on, you'd think he would have murdered someone. That was an absolute joke. I'm really glad we can absolutely put that to bed um, 100%. Absolutely. Let's jump into our recap uh, from last week. Unfortunately, we did lose to the Dolphins at home, 23-21 to in Golden Point. Um, just quickly for me, a devastating loss in the context of our season and just how tight this ladder is this year. Having lost our last two games when we were right there and, and potentially could have got the win there, uh, I probably put our chances of playing finals now, Blaze, if I'm being absolutely honest, under 50%. I think we're probably below a half chance now, just with how tight that ladder is. So I want to get your thoughts on the game. But before we get to that, I do want to know, what sort of percentage do you give us at, at finals from this point? Look, I think that I was a lot more confident before the game, obviously. However, I would still throw us straight up there at 50%. Like, I think it is just a 50-50. If we can go on with it from here, then we can make it. If we don't go on with it from here, then we can't make it. I don't think that there is any... Like, obviously, it is a tough run home. But again, we have a lot of home games. I know we lost that home game. But also, there was controversial circumstances. Again, not as... Contra- oh, no, like, uh, it, I wouldn't say it was as... It's, it's just as controversial as the David Fafita no try. With that being said, like I understand the loss and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the loss. However, 
I would just label us straight right in the middle of 50%. If we lose this game to the Eels on the weekend that we'll get into a little bit later on, then yes, it will dwindle even further. But for me, look, we're, we're still banging the middle of the table. We're still only two points out of the eight. Our points differential is not great. But again, we're actually playing a team this week that is on the same points as us if we win, right? And they're in the eight. So uh, it just shows how close we still are. Yes, difficulty of draw obviously comes into the equation, uh, but there is absolutely still an opportunity to get it done. Yeah, I'm really hoping we beat the Eels this weekend, take that momentum into two home games against the Roosters and Cowboys. We then got a third home game in the row against the Warriors, who we have had some big wins at home over the years. And then we finish the season with Sharkies, Panthers, with Storm, and Bulldogs. With that being said, though, with that being said in regards to the Warriors, yes, it's weird with the Warriors and us. So from like 2007 to 2010, we had a really good record against them. Then from 2011 until about 2021, they won every game against us. Like they were our bogey side. We never could beat the Warriors regardless of if we were good, they were bad, or it just doesn't matter. Like they always seem to beat us. So I do still worry about that as a long-term fan. We still recognize that and we still worry about it. But then since 2021, we've actually won like four straight games against them. And obviously yeah. one of them was 44-0 at Seabus to get into the finals. So, yeah, look, and we last year as well in New Zealand when, uh, and I know we'll get back into our review in a second, but last year in New Zealand, we were down by 14 points with about eight, eight, eight minutes to go. And then obviously Jaden Campbell provided a miracle to get us back into that game. And then Tanner Boyd, oh, he doesn't miss, mate. Slaps over the field goal. And we win it over there in extra time on their last game of the season. So I'm not as worried as I would have been in the past about that. But still is a difficult match considering what we have to come up here. Yeah, certainly. We don't have many gimmies left in our drawer, if you will. They're, they're, no matter which way you slice the cat, I suppose. I don't know if that's a saying, but I've just made it one. Uh, it is a bit of a, a tough run home. <laughs> slice Let's... the cat. What is... Wait, What? <laughs> slice. Let me go again. It doesn't matter how you slice the eel, like we rule this week. Okay, we'll we'll do that one. I'm thinking. Wait a second. Who's slicing cats around here? <laughs> yeah, RSPCA. I'm not a yeah. fan of this podcast. Yeah, gee, it's getting please. shut down. Um, let, let's let's jump back into the the review before the RSPCA do come on to us. Uh, <laughs> lose to the Dolphins. I think. Look, considering all season, you'd say our three best players have been Mo, Tino, and you'd say uh, Dave Fafita. Then you'd probably add Brimson that list if he wasn't injured throughout stages. So we were absolutely missing our four best players, in my opinion, as shown that the fact that they're origin players. But I just felt coming into a game against the Dolphins that we're missing Felice Carfusi, Hamaso Tabuafido, Jeremy Marshall King, and Thomas Gilbert. They were probably just as injury affected. Those four are pretty important to their side as well. So I don't want to buy into excuses, but certainly it is there that we were missing our absolute four best players. Um, look, it was a great contest while it lasted. It was entertaining throughout the 80. And I was really pleased with our completion rate of 87%. I think that's a great silver lining there. Um, the stat I'm always concerned with most in losses is post-contact meters. And I say that because it really encaptures the momentum of a game. It encaptures the line speed. And most importantly, your first contact. Noting we do lead the NRL for ineffective tackles. And they did beat us in post-contact meters 673 to 540 so we were really well beaten in that stat where we were close in others i think that encaptures the game though because all game i felt we were right there we were ready to take the game and run with it and we never quite did we always were just slightly behind and missing that opportunity when i felt it was there to take the game uh, ultimately though we were forced to make another 99 tackles than they were and we only missed eight more with 43 in total 
So probably too many missed tackles than you'd like, but given we made an extra 100 tackles than them, I think you can forgive them for that. The only really try that frustrated me, if I can be absolutely honest, was a Jared Wallace try. I thought that was really soft. He just fell over the line. I just felt our contact had to be better there. Uh, That's how I saw regular time. Of course, golden points are different story. So I'll hand back to you on how you saw the uh, first 80 minutes of this game. It was unlucky, man. You know, it was it was one of those ones where we absolutely were in it the entire way. We were up again at halftime. And, and if you go back and you give that David Feeder no try last week against the Raiders, we're still undefeated in the first half this season. We are the best first half team in the combat. And that is a fact. Like, truly, we, we were always up. And we were up by, what, 14 points to six or, or whatever it was. And... It just seemed like we should be able to go on with this one, but we did fall apart. Now, we did fall apart as we would have in the past, however. We didn't concede and just get slapped up in the second half. Obviously, like that original Dolphins game, we were up 26-0 at one stage and then completely faltered to lose 28-26. So it was a different game in that regard, but also those similar demons were still there. Now, I'm not going to say that... And this we're not talking about gone point just yet, but I'm not going to say that... We were robbed in this go- this extra this normal time, this regulation time. However, I do want to talk about the inconsistencies that led us to the point of actually being into extra time. Right, there was a point in the game where we were down attacking ten meters out from the Dolphins line. We then uh, obstructed a player and sacrificed immediately. We gained no advantage, nothing, and we all know that it is allowed to once there is a collision of sorts and there is an obstruction. If you sacrifice yourself then that's it. Then you can continue playing with the the ball. You play the ball, that's a tackle. And then, so we get penalised for that. We got penalised for that, and then obviously the Dolphins got on the front foot. I believe they actually ended up scoring after that. Now, we go to the other side of the field later in the game with about 10 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go, maybe 5 minutes to go, whatever. The Dolphins are attacking our line, and they sacrifice themselves, and in the exact same situation as us, and they don't get penalised for it. Like they don't get penalised for it. And I think that was on the lead up to them kicking the field goal, the original field goal, that actually took the lead in regulation. So that one really confused me. For me, the frustrating thing as well was that, and I spoke about this with quite a few people at the time, they were offside like all night. I don't understand the inconsistency in this regard. All, literally all night for me. So to, to ping us for that in the extra time, it's crazy considering like I'm there. I'm in the stadium. We're all in the stadium. We're all complaining about it the entire game. And yet nothing's ever getting called. But then we make one little slight infringement and bang, we're done. So I'm not going to say that we only lost this game due to the fact of the, the little calls not being picked up or the inconsistent calls being one way for the Dolphins and not for the Titans there. I do think that as well, we just seem to lack leadership. And that's what's happening when we have no Mo, we have no Tina, we have no Dave, we have no Brimo. They also had players out, but the fact of the matter is, I don't really care about their team. If, if our team is good enough, we can win this game. And unfortunately, we didn't have that real key leadership figure uh, that could drive us over the line there. Uh, I thought we did a good job of competing the game. I thought we did a good job with our defense for the most part. Uh, but yeah, it was a soft try to Jared Wallace. And the thing is, you look at that one, you say, okay, Jared Wallace, that was a soft try. But also, Loffy should be catching that ball in the back left corner of the stadium on the northern end. Like, he should be catching that ball. And then Jermaine doesn't score. So it's, it's just real simple stuff like that. That's two tries right there that you look at and think, that is completely unnecessary. And then we're not even near uh, extra time. We don't even need to. So, yeah, Loffy dropping that ball was... Well, he just had those little mistakes, man. I remember JC coming out to the wing... And he gets taken over the sideline. We didn't need to go out there. He could have gone back in. 
Um, mm-hmm. That drop ball from Loffy, you know, there was also just a, a Tanner kicking on third. Loffy kicking uh, on, I think, four tackle, 20, 15, 20 minutes out, which went dead, which gave them a seven tackle set. Just these small, youthful mistakes that put us on the back foot there. So overall, yeah, look, I'm not happy with the refereeing of the game, but I also think that we were our own worst enemies at times as well. You know what, I actually, that could explain the post-contact meter stat and why they have so many more post-contact meters than us. On TV, I certainly said their line speed is insane here. And of course, in TV, they kind of zoom in on the ruck so you can't see whether they are keeping the 10 well or not in a lot of instances. So I wasn't there at the ground to say for sure, but it definitely felt like they were in our face a lot quicker than we were in theirs. Um, and, and now that you mentioned out the ground, that is a little bit fishy for me. The I wasn't happy with that infringement either with the uh, when two players went down yeah, from the obstruction. Awesome. Now, the rule book says you cannot take an advantage. As long as you go to ground, it's fine. The referee's description to our captain was, mate, you've taken out two players there. But the rule book doesn't have a number of players that can be taken out. You could technically take out their whole team. And as long as you drop on the ground straight away, you know, in theory, off the rule book, if we're being consistent, it ain't a penalty. So that was unlucky. Um, I, I never want to single out players. Loffy, I, I love you, mate. You've had such a great season for us. But that uh, fourth tackle when he kicked it dead really killed me. I just felt like in the heat of the battle, I completely get it. Um, but I felt as a fan watching from home, Loffy should have taken that tackle and allowed Tanner to set up a field goal. Instead, they get the seven tackle set, go down the other end and kick a field goal, which really hurt us. But ultimately, our, our record in golden points sits at six wins, seven losses and one draw. Of course, we lost this one. So we were 50-50 uh, as soon as it went to Golden Point, as whether we'd get it or not. Big talking point. Of course, we can't go past this one. Is the penalty goal being awarded? Now, personally, I know for a fact hundreds of these go missing and don't get called. And I know for a fact because I watched Jared Waria Hargraves stand in front of the markers and in front of the play the ball offside in a finals game last year for Sam Walker to kick a field goal and us to be eliminated from the finals in, in 2021. Sorry. Nothing was called there. And I said at the time, that's disgusting. He was absolutely offside and intentionally blocking our players. The referee didn't have the cahoots to call it there. But I will say in this instance, the referee made the right decision. So I can't be angry. As long as the referees are going to consistently make this call moving forward, I'm okay with it. The rule book says you can't be offside and pressure a kicker. And so I'm okay with it. And I would never want to win a game based off a decision of, oh, well, the referees never make that call anyway. So therefore it doesn't matter. As long as they're making this call moving forward, Blaze, I'm happy. But I, I, I don't know if they will. The reason why I, I disagree with you can't be angry is the fact that we had Tanner Boyd take a field goal and they were offside by even further than what Aaron Clark was, and yet that one didn't come up. Like We obviously got the field goal for Tan, but when he mm. missed that one from 40 out, and this is what uh, Jimmy Lenahan was saying in the press conference as well, was that Nudge was going for a field goal and they were actually further in front than what yeah. Aaron Clark was, and yet that doesn't get called. So it's like... I can, I, you can't get angry at the correct decision being called, but I absolutely can come down hard on the fact that the inconsistencies and the hypocritical of it, because the, the hypocrisy, sorry, they did the same thing even further. And even if you want to take out the even further part, they did the same thing as us. And yet, so we should get a penalty from 40 out. And that's not an easy kick, but the fact, fact of the matter is it's still right in front 40 out. We get a penalty there instead. Uh, they obviously receive a penalty after they miss the kick. So, look, for me, it's just it's frustrating that although 
and that's the only thing the NRL can really have a Graham Annesley can come down and say, oh no, we made the right decision. It's like, okay, cool, you made the right decision, but what about when, when Tanner had it? Or what about all these other situations that happen every single game? And even Buzz Rothfield. And Buzz never, ever defends his club, never defends any club really. But Buzz is the most disagreeable person on the planet. Even he's come out and he said the exact same thing. Like This guy gets unseen nine out of ten times per game. It's And then one referee decides to put it... The, the whistle in the mouth. And that's why I'm frustrated because everything that led up to that point with the inconsistencies throughout the regulation of the game, mm. then for us to get pinged on that specifically after all the, the, the whole game being offside, in my personal opinion, from the Dolphins, I just, I, yeah, it really left a sour taste in my mouth and, and pretty much every single person I spoke to, boys, so, you know, we're, we're all incredibly frustrated with the, the decision there and we're, we're just all really frustrated with how that could impact our season. And can I ask for our viewers on YouTube right now, could you bring up the photo, edit the photo in right now of how far Aaron Clark was offside? It was very minimal. There's a photo online where you can see one foot off the line as the dummy half from the Dolphins touches it. Um, uh, and for people that aren't uh, are listening as a podcast, rather, feel free to um, Google right now Aaron Clark offside or Titans offside and, and just look at the photo for yourself. It's, it's really, really minimal um, and, and unfortunate. But I just think, I think we had other opportunities to ice this game and probably should have. We probably shouldn't have even been in Golden Point to begin with. And I think it goes back to your point that you made perfect, perfect point. We just lacked a bit of leadership out there. And we have at points throughout this season, um, but still some positives to take from it. For what it's worth, Jimmy Lenahan post-game said, I think Aaron got back. Whether he left a bit early, I don't know if there's any different to the one that nudges kicking from 40 out. I'm sure they were leaving just as early at some stage of the game and we didn't have to find a penalty in that. At the moment, I don't know if it's full bad luck. We aren't having any luck at all, so that's where we are at. That was our coach, Jimmy Lanahan, in the press conference. Um, yeah, that's all I've got for the game, mate. Anything else from yourself before we jump into our 3 2 ones? No, I think that's pretty much it, man. I just want to clarify, like, I, again, I understand that we, we lost that game and I've definitely come to terms with it. And I don't think that... I, I, I don't think that it's... It's a robbery in a sense. It's just that when you have that call from Dave Fafita last week go against us and also the Matty Tomoko try, and then you come into this week and you go to extra time and you've been frustrated from a lack of calls throughout the game to then get pinged for that, I think that's just that's where you get incredibly um, disassociated with really supporting uh, where the game has gone in regards to to referee impact in recent years, and I think that ever since two thousand nineteen, with the Jack the the six again no call, I think that the referees have unfortunately, um, and that's not just against us, that's against everybody. I think the referees have unfortunately actually detracted rather than what the NRL is saying in regards to progressing. So I, I would really appreciate them acknowledging the mistakes rather than them just coming out and flat out just clotheslining it and saying no chance. It's like we can all see it, and we're we're all going to continue to say this. So we're just going to be completely, you know, separated from each other. And we, we all just want the same thing. We all just want a fair game, uh, the right game and the right calls. And we understand that there are going to be calls here and there that get missed, but it's just on a consistent level that we get frustrated with. And the other thing for Graham Annesley is, and I'm certainly not accusing him of anything here. I'm only speaking from my own experience with the Titans. Sometimes, like, for example, my fullback of the week this week was Jake Avarillo. I was really close between him and Jaden Campbell, but I didn't want to look as if I was showing bias to my side. I do wonder with him being a former CEO of us, does he think if I come out and support the Titans here, it's going to look negatively? Um, because I know subconsciously that absolutely goes through my mind just running a social media page, let alone being in such a powerful position like Graham Annesley is. So not suggesting anything there, just simply wondering um, out loud, I suppose. My three points goes to Jaden Campbell. 
He broke the record for the most run meters ever of a Gold Coast Titan, surpassing Jai Arrow, who previously held it at about 285. Jaden finished with about 315. He had nine tackle breaks, and I just thought he was our he was our spark in attack. Everything that went well came off the back of Jaden. And again, it just raises the question, how long can we keep him as a bench player? Do we have to find a way to get him into our starting lineup? He gets my three points. Who gets your three points this week? There's no way you can go away from Jaden Campbell's performance in that game. I think that he did, obviously, that there was that mistake that he made that was really frustrating. But overall, Jaden was exceptional. And I have had a conversation with Jaden this week where, you know, I, I said to him, you've got to really make your ground this week. You've got to make your opportunity count. And, you know, he did that. You know, he got his opportunity and he made it count. And I'm so happy for him, man. I put in, you know, uh, I, I put him on my story saying, my guy, because I just, I know how much he... He just needed to have this performance with AJ being out for Origin and, and trying to figure out where he is with this team, you know what I'm saying? So um, I'm really glad that he's, he's come out there. He's proven himself again. And it just gives us more headaches because Jaden does deserve a spot in this team. He does deserve a starting fullback spot. But we do also have an Origin caliber fullback who is at State of Origin right now who comes back, obviously, this week against the Eels. So... It's frustrating, uh, but the, the fact of the matter is that we all love Jaden. You know, we, we all love Jaden, and we definitely want to see him succeed, and we want him to be here, uh, and we want him to win a premiership with us. Um, you know, and, and obviously, it just I, I love everything about the kids. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if he can get more minutes this week off the bench, because obviously he's off the bench. For my number two, I do want to actually give it to the debutant. I want to give it to Jacob Arlick. I thought Jacob Arlick was absolutely exceptional in his debut. Uh, nearly got an assist on his very first touch with the ball. Unfortunately, Loffy did uh, push the, the winger in the back there, which prevented him from getting a try. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that Jacob Arlick nearly got an assist with his first touch. We've been raving and raving and raving about him for weeks on end. Um, and we spoke to him on the uh, vlog. He's on the vlog there, which I'll put a little bit of a... Uh, interview with him now. The big man, Jacob Alec, mate, that was fantastic. You had a cracker debut. Thanks. How are you feeling? Yeah, good. Real good, real good. Um, loved it. Obviously, not the result we wanted, but yeah. Um, just loved the, the energy of the crowd and everything like that. So. Um, it was everything I thought of and more. Yeah, well, obviously, you put your best foot forward. You ran the ball hard. And, you know, you've had some experience with Papua New Guinea and whatnot. But now you get onto the NRL level. Is it is it really different from the international stage? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I think it's a bit more... Um, I don't know, a lot faster in this sort of level. Yeah. Um, I think there's a bit more collision in the international stage, but, oh, mate, tough either way. Absolutely, yeah. Obviously, you know, that was a tough one for our season. Do you still reckon we can make the eight, although it's going to be really difficult on the run home? Absolutely, mate. Confident, confident in every game we play. We've got the side to beat anyone on our day. So, yeah, we just got to turn up, mate, and we've got the side. Well, I'm proud of you. I think everyone... Yeah, he was just absolutely fantastic, man. So, I think he was necessary. We'd love to see more of him. He's been killing it for Burley, and he killed it for us. I hope Desi really looks at him in a positive way. Yeah, and thanks for capturing that interview with Jacob because I'm not sure if he's ever listened to the podcast in all honesty, but certainly someone we've been giving raps every single week in our next segment around the grounds. Uh, my two points goes to Kieran Foran. I thought with Tino missing, we really needed a leader. Um, and Kieran Foran loomed as the obvious selection. And I thought he had a brilliant game, scoring a try, setting up another. Not only that, but I, I want to go back to your comments in our last episode about Valence Tafade and the danger he he possessed out wide. Kieran Farrell was awesome. Every time Kieran was on him, it, it was bloody awesome the way him and BK defended a real threat out there. So the old Fox, Kieran Foran, fantastic performance. He gets my two points. Who gets your one point this week? 
Yeah, this one, this uh, this one's a tough one for me because there's quite a few players that I did like. Like I did like BK and Brian Kelly's defense yeah. of uh, of Lizzie Tafarra, as you've just said there, and I just do think that he's actually been coming in quite nicely and, and actually improving a lot of the defensive side of play in recent weeks. So you know he's definitely there. You know you've got Jimmy Jones, despite that mistake that he made late on. We obviously now know, and I saw him after the game with him with his um, hands uh, wrapping and whatnot. So I was always in doubt. He's going to play this week, but now you understand why he knocked that ball on in that real prime situation. You understand that obviously he did his hand in, so it wasn't easy for him to grab that one, and obviously would have been tired as well there. So uh, yeah, I, I had to give my one point to Kieran Foreman. Man, I thought the leadership that he provided was was fantastic, and obviously we didn't get the win in the end. But I love how he went up to the referee to to really complain about the hypocrisies and the inconsistencies about it, which we don't really have a great deal. Like I. I love Tino, and I've loved captains in the past, but I just love Kieran really going up to him and making making his voice heard, and, and everyone heard it, so everyone at home could see why we were all frustrated and complaining as well, regardless of if it was technically offside. So I think that really showed. I also could see Desi really giving him that kind of leadership ability next year. Uh, so yeah, it was a good good performance there by Kieran, and um, you know I also got to shout out my boy Tanner Boyd. Obviously, does not miss. He did not miss some. He does not miss. Tanner was brilliant again. I actually agree next year. I think Kieran Fryan will be our co-captain with Tino. Tino's a guy who leads by example. Kieran's a guy that's seen everything in the game and has that uh, ability to really question the referee based on what's happened throughout the game. And, and I really like that from Kieran. My one point was Jacob Arlick, but sorry, Jacob, you've been switched out for Jimmy Joloff after I found out he played on with that broken, uh, broken hand or broken wrist. Uh, 130 plus meters, 51 tackles. I messaged Jimmy on Instagram uh, moments before he we went live, and I just said, 51 tackles, mate, with a fractured hand. What a brilliant effort, mate. Thank you. And he was too humble. He said, happened later in the game, mate. Ha, ha, but thanks. And, of course, I said, you're still a weapon, mate. Ireland's finest. Proper effort. Just like <laughs> Conor McGregor would say for the proper 12 whiskey ads. And I made sure that he knew the reference there, so I didn't look like a proper weirdo. <laughs> but yeah, Jimmy, you get my one point, mate. Brilliant effort. 51 tackles with a hand injury. Absolutely love it, mate. Well, that is our game all wrapped up. Let's go around the grounds and wrap up Q Cup before we get on to next week. We'll start with the Burley Bears. They defeat the PNG Hunters 30-22 to in Papua New Guinea itself. Um, and now there is news, BK. They are no longer our feeder club. They have officially signed with the Broncos as of next year. I do wonder if that's because they kind of know or, or strongly believe the Titans are going to have their own reserve grade team. Although I, I did read there was a few hurdles in that this week as well. Uh, but too burly. We will be supporting you for the rest of 2023. But then you're dead to us. No, I'm only joking. But uh, we will still support you for the rest of this year. But you have joined the enemies from next year. Um, I want to ask you, which players stood, uh, stood out to you from the Bears this week? And where's their ladder position? A little bit of a review on that game, please. Yeah, look, Mamalo obviously had a good one. We were talking about where he was last week, and uh, he wasn't there last week, but this week he comes in 171 metres, three tackle breaks, as 69 post-contact, most of any bear. You know, they, they go to a, a difficult opposition in Papua New Guinea, 
uh, in Papua New Guinea, and obviously PNG are playing for a top eight spot right now, so it was never going to be an easy performance there, but they were able to get the job done. Um, you know, they, they actually had less possession in the game as well, and, and had a, a unfortunate thing is, they had a completion rate of 69%, and were able to win this game 30-22, to 22, so that's not exactly fantastic. Actually, in regards to a lot of the stats, Papua New Guinea do actually beat them. Post-contact meters, 585.6, that's not too bad, to be fair. Uh, but look, Burley get get the job done, and that's what you need to need to be seeing there. And overall, they do sit in second position, uh, which is equal still with the South Logan Magpies. There, they just keep kind of holding their spot out on the top. South Logan did beat the Sunshine Coast Falcons twenty two. Uh, sorry, 34 to 22 there, which kept them on top. Their point differential is plus 188 to the Bears, plus 152. Whilst Wynnum Manly Seagulls, who are in third position, they beat the Northern Pride 30 to 14 uh, in Bear Barlow Park in Cairns. So they are only two points short with a plus 184 points differential. So we just got to hope that we don't lose a game in the Bears. Um, otherwise, the Seagulls will go above. And, and Seagulls are super close to having the best point differential in the comp. And then the only other team that realistically the Bears have to look out for is the East Tigers. Uh, they're on 25 points. Doesn't matter about that points differential due to the draw that they've had. But they, um, or the Brisbane Tigers, sorry, I think they're called now. Uh, but they won 34 to 18 over the Clydesdales. So yeah, look, the Bears are sitting pretty up there in second. Still getting wins. Didn't have a great completion rate, but still got the win. Yeah, still got the win. For what it's worth, Tony Francis was a he, he moved to 18th man, and I believe one of the Bears players, Nicholas O'Mealy, who I've not heard too much about, he came in and actually replaced him there. So it would have been nice to see Tony stay in, give us more Titans to talk about. But Kendall Marlow, how only representative in that game. As for Tweed, everyone knows they were playing um, for the Hampo Cup against the Dolphins there as an opener to the Titans and Dolphins game. They went down 26 to 24 at Seabus. Um, as for how our players went, Tremaine Scry, um, back in the centres, 59 metres, three tackles, four missed. Um, so probably not Tremaine's best game there. But outside of this game, he has had some, some great footy uh, for the rest of this year well, when he has been in reserve grade this year. Thomas Weaver, he's still running that footy. He was at 78 metres game, one try assist, two tackle breaks. He did make 22 tackles, but he was clearly targeted there, missing seven, and he did have 349 kick metres. As for uh, Cruz Leeming, he's still running for dummy half. He had 124 metres there, four tackle breaks and 31 tackles. But as a result of losing that game, we do drop to eighth on the ladder. Uh, we were seventh last round, still in the top eight. Our current injury list for the Titans, Joe Stimson suffered a Category 1, or it was deemed a Category 1 concussion. So he'll be ruled out and will return in Round 21. And Jimmy Joloff has fractured his hand. He'll be out until Round 24. So unfortunately, two new additions to our injury list, Blaze. But I get the feeling with Jacob Arlick uh, there, Cleese Haas playing very well. We do have the troops to cover this in our depth. Would you agree? 100%, man. Yeah, you know, it's really good to see that Cleese is starting to come into his own, as we'll see. He's uh, he's starting the back row this week, and I've actually been wanting to see this for quite some time. As we've said, every single week, I would love to see Joey Stimmer as the, uh, you know, the rotation prop there, and Cleese has starting the back row, and he's and starting alongside Dave, and obviously that's exactly what they've gone with in the 11 and 12. So, provided everything goes right there, you know, yeah, we do have Isaac Fasul Malawi there in the reserves, Jacob Alec, as you said. Um, you know, we've, we've got Thomas McKayley as well in the forwards, and we've, we've got Chrissy Randall who can play literally everywhere right now. So yeah, it just seems like we're we're in a really a good spot in regards to 
depth that can get us in and compete with games because as we saw in the Dolphins game these guys did have to play a massive part with no Mo, no Dave, no Tino and uh, I thought we did a, a solid enough job there. Yeah, well said mate. And let's react to our team list. So of course we're up against the Eels. Uh, we've got AJ Brimson at fullback so that pushes Jaden Campbell to the bench. Uh, our back line is unchanged there. Halves unchanged. Our origin reps are named back in the forwards. So we're Fotuaco and Tino as our front rowers. Dave Fafita and Cleese Haas are our back rows. Isaac Liu is our lock. The rest of our benches, Chris Randall, Aaron Clark, and Jojo Fafita. Our reserves, so reserves meaning they could come in on game day still. Isaac Fasumala Awi, Jacob Arlick, Keanu Kinney, Cruz Lemmy, Ken Mamalo, Tony Francis, and Thomas McGailey. I want to go straight to our bench. I think we're missing a bit of, maybe a bit of punch there, man. Um, against an Eels bench that will feature Joe Offerhand, Gowie, Ryan Madison, and Andrew Davey, and Luca Moretti, even and, and uh, an international player there. I do wonder: Do we have enough spark with Jaden, who we know gets limited minutes when AJ's there? Chris Randall, who fills more of a back row role for us at the moment. Aaron Clark, a middle forward, and JoJo a winger. I mean, love JoJo, but I'd be looking at Jacob Arlick for that final bench spot if I was picking the team list this week. Do you see it that way as well? 100%. I think the thing that really frustrates me is that Alec was one of our best, as I gave him my two points. He was one of our best on the weekend, the big Papua New Guinean representative, uh, you know, international, and has now obviously played for the Titans and killed it there. And I think that he definitely deserved a spot. And it does really confuse me, the bench there. Like, obviously, JC is always going to get that spot because you have to have him in the team somewhere. But we do need to see more than, like, five to eight minutes on him because I think we only got a few minutes out of JoJo uh, on the weekend. Do you know how many minutes JoJo had? I'll check for you now. Thank you. Yeah, so I think we only had a few couple of a couple of minutes there, and and, and obviously, yeah, JC doesn't really usually get utilised a great deal off the bench there. So I, I'm can, kind of confused why we do have that. Jojo is a bit of a bigger body too, like he's a stronger body as well. So I guess they can throw him into the forwards. But again, Chris Randall is is mate, like he is normally a nine, has come to the comp- our team, and now is playing back row and had front row experience on the weekend, but it's not really a front row, but can play there, can play even in the 13 and the 12, 11, but it just, it doesn't really, you know, with Aaron Clark as well, and Ez coming off the bench is fantastic, but yeah, the bench is very, very small there, so I'm really interested to see how we're looking to go up against the Joe Offerhengawi, Andrew Davey, Ryan Madison, and Luca Moretti, who are all pretty, Pretty big dog, pretty big dogs there. So yeah, disappointed that Alec couldn't get a crack. I would have even loved to have seen Alec actually start in the lock with Liu come off the bench there, or even put Liu into the, uh, yeah, put him as the front row forward rotation. Like what I'm saying with with Stimo there, I think just Liu doesn't need to think about passing anymore. Just run the ball hard, and I think he can absolutely do that. Uh, but that would just be my concern there as well. Yeah, this bench does look incredibly small, and and we don't have a bona fide front row forward on the bench realistically we, we don't like if we wanted to we could bring in Isaac Fasimalawi or Alec but, or, or McKaylee but we just don't and that's the concern because the eel strength is their starting forward pack mm-hmm. and then the fact they do have a stronger bench than us as well um, and even when you look at their reserves Offahiki Ogden sorry Makahesi Makatoa Matt Dury these are all big guys that could still come in there so I, I am definitely concerned most there about our team list Otherwise, I think everything makes perfect sense. And I'm most excited to see Cleese Haas in that starting back row spot. I think we said a few weeks ago, we think he deserves it. But let's go to the preview. We're up against the Eels. We're at Combank Stadium, Sunday, 6.15pm. So we're the final game of the round again. 
And I want to go straight to you for your preview. How do you see this one? You're tipping us to win. Where are our key matchups? Floor is all yours. Yeah, this is a tough one, man, because, you know, obviously Hart is wanting to say Titans, but also Head says the Eels probably should win. However, the Eels probably should beat us at Magic Round, and they didn't. We won that game there. So we've already beaten them one time this season, and that wasn't a home game for us. That was at Suncorp, which is a home, which was technically our home game, but it just wasn't, right? So I definitely feel like a lot of people are nervous going into this game due to the form of the Eels prior to the weekend against the Warriors. However, the the Titans really do have this ability where we've got one of the better differentials against the Eels in our history. We actually have a pretty good win record against them. Maybe not so a great deal in recent years. However, overall, we have a pretty good win record against this club. And although people doubt us against the Tigers as well, we also have a really good win record against them. And the fact of the matter is, people still doubt us there. So now they're doubting us here. I still believe we can absolutely get this. And it is crucial. If we lose this game, we're now going to be four points out of the eight. And plus, they've also got a bye as well. I do think that this is our do-or-die game. And I think that every game from here on out is going to be the do-or-die game. But one loss is really going to hurt us. But the reason why this game is so crucial is because of the closeness of the top eight and the fact that this team is in that top eight battle with us. The Eels are in seventh position right now. They're on 22 points. The Titans are in 11th position right now. They're on 20 points. The points differential is obviously very different there with the Titans being minus 33 and the uh, Eels being on plus 96. But, you know, overall, if we win this game, we'd be equal with them and we're absolutely still within a chance. So, look, it's going to be a real tough one. The forward battle is going to be really what we need to look at. But again, our starting forwards are fantastic. Moeki Fodawaka, Tinafasu Malawi, Dave Fafida, Cleese Harson, and Isaac Levy there. Just got to hope that he, he didn't knock a ball on this week, which was great. Uh, but just got to hope that he can crack on there. And the main thing that I look at is our hooker is 10 times the hooker that they have. Sam Verrills is so underrated. I say this all the time. Sam Verrills is one of the most, if not the actual, actually, no, I will put it out there. He is the most underrated hooker in the comp and probably one of the most underrated players in the comp. Made a killer amount of tackles in the weekend. You just don't see it, but he absolutely just organizes this team. And the Roosters are obviously missing their hooker. They've got a massive hooker uh, dilemma right now. And Sam Verrills is, is key to that. And I think that he is 10 times the play that Brendan Hands is personally. So I think that we definitely win that hooker battle. In regards to the halves, Dejan Arce is a good young kid. Mitchell Moe is obviously really experienced. But we've got that experience in Kieran Foran and also Tanner Boyd now. Um, I think that the uh, elusiveness of Mitchell Moses can, can probably... Uh, really look good for them. But overall, if we can look at Kieran Foran and Tanner Boyd coming together as a, as a collective, I think that they do have what it takes to match up with the halves. But you would give that advantage to Moses. And then in regards to the back line, I genuinely think that it is incredibly even. I think that Phil Sami, Sean Russell, I take Sami. Simonson, Shup, I think that on the form this year, you take Simonson. Penasini and Brian Kelly, I think is actually really even in that in that battle. Alofiana Kampa and Micah Sivo, you are going to take Micah. And then you get Clinton Gutherson and AJ Brimson, and it comes down to your thought process and what you would prefer. And for me, I still would take the Brim Dog Millionaire. I would take Brimo over Gutherson. Gutherson is safe and defensive, but I wouldn't say he's got that spark. AJ Brimson has that spark and that defense, and he's obviously playing for Queensland. I know Gutho's there, but he's not actually really too much in the fold there. As Freddie said, he doesn't even have a clue what he's going to use him for, so um, it tells you a lot there. But look, I take Brimo, so I think it's a lot more even than people make out, um, but it should be a really tough game, uh, and I, I, I look forward to seeing what you have to say. 
made an echo those thoughts, uh, particularly around the do or die. Uh, not so much just for the result on the ladder, but the momentum and the fact that if we were to lose this game, we kind of slipped down the ladder where we lose that belief that finals are a real possibility. And that's what we absolutely want to avoid. We want to be finishing our season strong like we have in multiple previous seasons. For me, this one really hinges on which Origin players back up. I think this game is ultra important to both sides. So we will see everyone back up unless of injury, um, which does make it a really tough game for us. Eels were in solid form until dropping that game last week against the Warriors where they were thumped. And I'm always wary of the bounce back factor in rugby league. I'm always willing to give sides another shot the next week. And then if they lose again, I start to reevaluate. Um, no, you don't need any greater evidence than last two weeks ago when the Doggies were beaten 66 nil. And I came out with a best bet and, and a hot tip on them to win the game. Um, and although I'm not going to claim like it was the greatest tip ever, Rabbitohs were absolutely depleted. But Rabbitohs were still favourites for a reason. So the bounce back factor is very, very real in rugby league. Eels have won seven of their last eight games against us. It's a side we have struggled against. And in fact, our last win against the Eels was the uh, Magic Round win. Prior to that, we'd lost the last seven straight. Yeah, so they because are very, they got very... real salty. Remember their media team got super salty that we, we won that game because they were talking a bit of smack to us beforehand and then we yeah. posted saying something on like the Titans' Instagram and then the Eels commented and then they ended up deleting the comment because they realised how salty they looked. I remember that now, yeah. That that that, that stat there is uh, it was quite funny because we got a, a good reaction out of the Eels team and even their fans were calling them out saying how lame that was to reply to the Titans because we won the game. So you, know, you can't talk smack mm. after we win the game. No, you can't. Gabby got him right there. Well done, Gabby. <laughs> uh, if you know, you know. But yeah, worry about that bounce back factor. We are two out of nine in our away games this year. So those wins came against the Tigers in round one and Manly in round nine. So I am worried about that. Uh, but where I'm, where, where I'm honestly most worried, I'm worried about a few things, but uh, where I'm most worried, they have 212 offloads this year, which is the most of any side. They lead the NRL in that category. And we lead the NRL in ineffective tackles at 307. And I just think once you get that second phase play going off an ineffective tackle, which can create the offload, the Eels become a very dangerous side with Mitchell Moses' time and opportunity, wide balls to Penasini, who's in great form, um, as is Bailey Simonson, et cetera, et cetera. So you combine those two stats, and I think that you have to heavily favor the Eels. I suspect they'll be heavy favorites. If not, uh, yeah, they are. We're, th- we're $3.16 and, and they're $1.36. So they are, they're definitely uh, uh, hot favourites over us, if you will. Um, but yeah, I'm nervous. I think we can compete in this game, and I think we can win it. But I've got to be brutally honest. We need to perform at a 9 out of 10. With our players backing up from Origin, I'm not 100% sure we can be a 9 out of 10. I think we'll get a 7.5, maybe an 8. But we need that 9, boys. And I can't be 100% certain we'll get that. So with a heavy heart, my head says the Hell Eels yeah. should win this. Yeah, but absolutely, indeed. my official tip is going with the heart. And I'm going to go <laughs> Titans by two points. And I think we're going to get some revenge. And hopefully, we're the ones kicking the goal to win this time this week. Uh, but as I said, I'm, I'm sure you agree, mate. We, we need to have... Would you say a 9 out of 10? Or do you think slightly lower? No, I think we do need to have a 9 out of 10. I don't think that it has uh, you know, much of a chance of going less than that just because of Origin. I think that we just need to have a 9 out of 10. And I, d- I don't really look at Origin as an excuse. You know, the, the boys will come in, fired up. And, and look, Tino and Dave will want to really prove a point that they love this club and want to really perform for this club. I think I think this is a prime game for them to have a big one. If I'm going to look at a man of the match, I'm going to look at Tino Asu Malawi. I think he's going to have an absolute cracker. I think he's going to come out. He's going to dominate. He's going to show 
why he's the, the big Queensland forward and why he wants to lead us into a premiership in the incoming years. I think that's exactly what he's going to want to do there. Uh, as I said before, I think your head's always going to go with the Eels there, so take that for what you will. Uh, but I'm going to back in our boys as well. I'm going to say by four points there. Last time we played them down there in Parramatta, we were robbed. And that's the only game that I've actually said in, in recent memory, in years and years and years, that I really disagreed overall with the outcome based off of that Eels game, round one last year. I lost my mind on my live stream on the YouTube channel. I lost my mind. Um, that was, it, I was fuming. So, you know, I really hope that was the game that Sammy did the Gutharina over the top of um, over Gutho. Oh, yep. We haven't seen that for a, a while now. I don't think we've seen that actually ever since. No, he's Sammy never done it since. So, has he really not done it since? No, he's never done it since. <laughs> Sammy owns Gutho, baby. He's going to own him here today. Uh, well, this week, sorry. So let's go. I'm taking Titans by four and uh, whip that crack. Crack that whip in. Sorry, whip that crack. Crack that whip in. Mate, we'll, we'll, we'll crack every whip and whack every crack of a whip because I reckon we're going to beat the Blues. We're going to whitewash the Blues. Gutherson, Campbell Gillard, JP, uh, all these Blues players are, are not going to know how to recover. Jermaine Hopgood, an undercover maroon for us, just to rub it in a bit more through the week. <laughs> Tino, Dave, Brimo, uh, Mo, they all come in fired up off a big origin win, off a whitewash. Eels aren't going to know what's hit them. There'll be whips cracking all over the place. I love it, mate. So we're both going Titans. Me by two, Blaze by four. We'll wrap up the show with our Q&A section. Our first question comes from Wobblin' Jaw Sports. Sounds like me when I was trying to pronounce the uh, relationship between the Fox Sports CEO and Ricky Stewart's <laughs> assistant coach. But he says, surely Des Hasler must pick Jacob Arlick to be part of your 17 every week next year. And this year, well, already we've seen him omitted this week, which we both disagree with. Um, but next year, what do you think Des Hasler sees when he looks at someone like Jacob Arlick? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think that he should be looking to bring a guy like him in and, and, and maintain him there. I think that overall... Uh, you can't blame him for not being in this week and, and say that's Des Hasler because it's obviously Des, not Desi's team right this very second. Um, it's just it's just not. It's Jimmy Lenahan taking over the reins. Obviously, Des would have his say, but not a great deal of a say. He's currently compiling his way, his, his plan of attack, right? So, yeah, I think that Des will utilize a guy like Jacob Alec, especially after a game like that and his performances for Burley. I think we can clearly see in this team what players Des will like and what players Des may consider moving on to bring in that fresh new vibe for what he wants to do going forward. Uh, but yeah, Jacob Alec, Jacob Alec is a massive talent there and I'm really looking forward to his future and I really do hope that, that Des does pick him going into every game next season uh, off the bench or even as our you know, incumbent 13. You know, Bring him in as the next 13 over the top of Isaac Liu who is obviously getting towards the end of his contract. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth there. I'd like to see Jacob Bullock start next year. I think he'd be a really good 13 with Isaac Liu coming off the bench more as just a middle replacement for Tino or Mo. Uh, and I'd love to see Cleese Haas start the year. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to add um, to a little bit to this question, Wobble and Jaw Sports. I'd also like to see Cleese Haas start just so Bo Firma can come back from his ACL via the bench and then transition Haas back to the bench and Bo into our starting back row spot towards the end of the year. But Either way, no matter how you skin the cat, to kind of phrase from myself earlier, or oh. cut the cat, whatever I said. Um, Can we stop skinning cats, 13? please? Can we stop skinning cats? <laughs> Can we just settle down in regards to the, the skinning of cats? Right. No matter how you sushi your eels. Thank you. That's a good one. We got, we got there. We'll get there. Yeah, when we yeah, talk, I, when we I, I, the Panthers, you can talk about skinning cats and whatnot, all right? <laughs> like, yeah, all the, all the tigers. 
We've got a few it's options. Right. We're very skin those cats. Don't worry about that. Two and O, oh, baby. We love it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Great question, Wobble and Jaw Sports. I think we both agree Alec has a huge future, and I'm going to add Cleese Haas to that as well. Mm-hmm. Our next question comes from Brocky Sports, and he says, do you think Chris Randall should be a back rower for the rest of this year? Your thoughts on that one? I think that Chris Randall is best used off the bench. I think that he definitely is a great addition to our 17, for sure. I love it. I've spoken when we had the members night the other night, uh, the long-term members. I had a really good in-depth conversation with Chris, and he's so happy to be here, man. He just wants to lock in a spot in this team, and I think he absolutely deserves a spot in this team, man. He's been killing it in recent weeks in different positions, whether it be if he had to play the nine for the majority of the first part of the season and then has come in and played back row, has then come in and played front row, uh, and I believe that he could be a good 13 as well, to be completely honest with you. And I think he's a great addition off the bench. So uh, I'm not necessarily saying that he should... No, I don't believe that he should be a starting back rower over the likes of David Fafida, Khalees Haas. And I think that Chris Randall should absolutely implement himself off the bench there. And then if he needs to come in and start in replacement, absolutely. But just because... And this is a, a real big thing that people don't understand. Just because someone's on the bench doesn't make them a less important player. The bench is incredibly important, and I feel like with the new age and the new game, the bench is actually arguably one of the more important aspects of a team right now. And that's why we're so concerned with the bench this week and the, the way it's been implemented. But overall, I, I absolutely think Chris Randall has a, a spot in our 17. I think he's a great forwards utility player, while you've got JC, who is a backs utility player, and it really does uh, keep this team really... has some nice cohesion about it. So, no, I love Chrissy Randall. I think that he definitely deserves a spot on the bench. I love Chris Randall there. I look at the Blues team currently where they've got Cook and Gutherson off the bench. And typically, I'm not a fan of having a hooker and a backline uh, player as options there off the bench. But I do think that Chris Randall has earned the right to be selected every week there. Whether he comes on at hook and it gives Sammy a break, or whether he comes on at lock or or a front row rotation there in the middle, or whether he plays on the edge. I I think he's playing well enough now that he's adding a, a couple more feathers to his cap. It's only better for his future and our future. So, yeah, I'm saying we should be keeping Chris Randall as a as a bench player for the rest of this year that comes on by default as a back rower, but if required, into lock or hooker, showing that versatility that he does have. And just before we do go, we do have one more question here, which was from Watson, and he says, what player or position do you think we need to purchase to solidify this 2024 Premiership. I think this is a great question that obviously gets the the mind thinking about what potentially could happen next season. And we'll obviously go to you here first, Clarky. What would be your thoughts in a position or a player that you believe is a potential uh, and not just some absolutely crazy hypothetical like a Nathan Cleary or a Karen Munster or, or someone like that, but what is a potential area of this team that you believe could be beneficial to us going forward? For me, I'll go straight to our bench. Like, you look at our lineup this week, our back line is solid. Our halves are solid, and then might be a Ben Hunt to add to that halves next year, <laughs> which would add Tanner potentially to the bench or, or to be used in another role there. Our starting forward pack, particularly when Bo Firma returns, is absolutely loaded. And really, you look at where have we struggled this year, and it's in the middle parts of the game, particularly in the second half, uh, around that 60th minute mark, let's say. You look at our bench this week, Jaden Campbell, Chris Randall, Aaron Clark, Jojo Fafita. You compare that to some of our rivals, and we probably don't have enough spark or experience from the bench there. So my mind goes straight away. If I could sign one player realistically, I would be looking at an experienced middle forward off the bench. The problem we're going to run into, Blaze, if I'm absolutely honest, I'm, I'm looking at off-contract middles right now. 
there's really no one that I'd be lining up to say, like, absolutely, they will solve our issue. Um, Chris Smith from the Panthers. Wiramu Greg from the Eels, or I suspect they'll tie him down. James Tamu, probably a year too old. Jordan McLean, although I believe he might have re-signed and this list just hasn't been updated. Tyson Frizzell set to re-sign, probably not a realistic option anyway. Tariq Sims, for me, probably one season too old. Aaron Woods is set to re-sign with Manly. I wouldn't want that anyway. Stop it. <laughs> okay. You um, know what? We're going to stop you there. Now, now uh, we've gotten Aaron Woods. The moment you just got no to Aaron one. Woods, you knew yeah. that was the end of your little conversation. It, exactly right. right. <laughs> so I would love an experience forward, but with respect to Woodsy, uh, if you're looking at that as your option to, to turn around a side into a premiership side, you're probably looking at the wrong players. So I want an experienced bench middle off the bench, but I don't know who. I think that for me, it, it definitely... I don't think there's as much that is wrong here than people believe. Like, you look at the mm. our, our fullback, we've got depth there. AJ Brimson, Jaden Campbell, and we've got Keanu Kenny. Uh, our wingers are fine. We've got depth in the wing department. I guess, you know, uh, the defense and the centers might be a bit of an issue, but I still don't think there is a problem with BK, Aaron Shop and the likes. Uh, our halves... We do have to start thinking about our six going forward because Kieran Foran isn't going to be here forever and he is kind of obviously getting towards the end. However, he's going to really kick on under Desi, in my personal opinion. So next year, obviously, Kizza, he stays with us uh, and that's the question. But maybe later on we can talk about what a potential 5'8 could look like in the future, maybe even JC. Um, and I, I think that our forwards are unbelievable. But I also think that when you when you talk about the bench right now, you've got Mo, you've got Tino, but that's missing Jimmy Jolliffe as well right now from that bench because obviously he's injured. So you have Jimmy Jolliffe, one of the most underrated forwards in the league, man. He absolutely is a barnstormer. So you've got Jimmy Jolliffe on the bench. You're probably going to have Jaden Campbell there on the bench there as well. Dave Fafita and Cleese Haas. You know, we do get Bowie Firmer. So Cleese Haas, as good as he is, will have to go to the bench there for Bo Firmer. So our back row, well, so far, we've got Mo, Sam Berrells, Tino, Dave, Bo Firmer. And then the 13 is the issue, but I think we potentially could find our 13 without having to go to the market in Jacob Alec. I think that could be a huge option there. He's a, a, mm. a, a local talent as well, and I think that absolutely he could have that opportunity in that lock position. I think that if anything is the is an issue right now, it could be a lock, because I do think that Lee is, is turning more with age into a front row forward where he just needs to run that ball hard and not think about passing it. So, yeah, I think... and Because I, I, I do like him still. It's just... I don't necessarily think that he should be our necessarily lock right this second. So our bench would then consist of uh, Jaden Campbell, uh, Khalees Haas, you've, you've probably got Aaron Clark, and then you've got uh, Jimmy Jolliffe. That's the lineup I've come up. While you were talking there, I ty- I drafted up a, a, a lineup. So 8-17, to 17, Tino, Verils, Fotuaka, this is full strength, sorry, I should say, Fafita, Fermor, Arlick at lock, uh, Tanner Boyd or Jaden Campbell, 14, depending on what happens with Ben Hunt, of course. Joliff Clark and Haas. And then that still adds depth of Thomas McKayley, Isaac Fa'asumala'awi, and Isaac Liu. Yeah. McKayley is probably the one, mate. He, he's off contract. Why don't we give him a few games and just see where he's at before we go looking at the market, right? I was uh, honestly, The more I think the about weekend. this... In all honesty, mate, the more I think about this, do we even need to go to market? I'm, I'm going to say no. We, we don't need to. And that's the thing, because if you do go to market and get Ben Hunt, then you've got to try and figure out what you do with, with Tan there, because 
I, I know Dez is not going to be dropping Kieran. You know, Dez is not going to be putting yeah. Kieran anywhere else unless he puts him to the 14 there. But it, I know that. So then what? Does Tanner then go to the 14? Because he's probably better of a utility player than, than JC is. And he'd probably get more minutes there because he can play nine. He can play, obviously, seven. He can also probably play six as well. And um, JC's more in the backs. But in the same sense, it doesn't get used as it is. So then you lose JC. So the Ben Hunt situation, it, it really does kind of mess up our team. Like, obviously, you get a lot of experience there and a lot of quality there. Uh, but that provides a lot of conundrums in regards to what you do with, with Tanner Boyd mm. and JC. And I think that it would come down to Tanner Boyd and JC fighting it out for that 14 spot. The only other option is if Campbell goes fullback and Brimson says, oh, I'm happy to play centre, which I'm not yeah. I'm not sure if he wants to do that. But yeah, I, I, you know what? I've, I've, I've looked into who's available right now. I've typed out our potential 2024 pack. And I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. We do not need to sign anyone. We've got enough question marks over our line and depth there. Positive question marks, of course. Um, no, I'm not going to say we need to sign anyone at all. I agree. Yeah. Which is crazy. It's a great question, question though. It, like it's, it's crazy to think, though, after all these years, we're looking at this team right now and we're currently sitting in 11th spot. And yet we don't actually want to make a great deal of changes going forward. We just want our coach to come in sort it out and, and get us moving with, with the team. Obviously, he will make changes, but the fact of the matter is is that from what I can see, I'm not actually a great deal unhappy with where this team is at right now. So that is an absolute positive, and I think that after our explanations there, I think a lot of people can understand where we're coming from. But I think, man, we've obviously been going on for, for a decent amount of time now. I think that's time to wrap the show up for this week as we head into uh, a bit of a sushi dapil. I'm looking forward to getting some sushi this Sunday. I will be in Parramatta, as you guys know. I do attend every single game. So if you are there, we also do, I will mention this on the podcast, we have a captain's run on Saturday in Sydney at Homebush. So if you can get there, absolutely get down. And then on Sunday, we have a members event as well, um, which is before the game. So really looking forward to kind of mingling with the members down there for the away legion um, and uh, obviously getting to the game and getting as much loud support as we possibly can. It is a crucial one. We have to win this game. We just have to. We have to win this game. So um, that's about it from me, man. Obviously, much love to everyone. Keep on banging at home. You see me on Instagram. I don't stop. I will, regardless of the amount of hate that we receive and that I receive and that we, we caught from other fans. You just got to keep pumping on, keep firing behind this team and support us because we will we are on the right track. And as we just said, myself and Clarkie, we're on the right track with this team too. So yeah, much love for me and I'll hand it over to Clarkie. Just want to say to all of our listeners and viewers right now, thank you very much for being with us. It's been a tough fortnight with two close games there that got away, uh, but we are all still here for the same common goal and we all love the Titans ultimately the same. So with that, thank you very much for your viewership and we look forward to seeing you next week. Hey man, now, now we've stopped recording. Could you imagine not winning a premiership for 37 years? Could you imagine being the Parramatta Eels? 38 years. Thank God we're not recording anymore. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't wait to smash the Eels. They've nearly got more wooden spoons than years we've been in the comp. You know, that's pretty crazy. Eh? Mm, oh, what no, a joke of a club. We, we, we are still on. Oh, oh we, are, we are live? <laughs> Go the Titans. <laughs> Yahoo! <Yeah-hoo! laughs>